Section 13 from A Journal of the Plague Year. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dennis Sayers. A Journal of the Plague Year by Daniel Defoe. Section 13. I come back to my three men. Their story has a moral in every part of it, and their whole conduct, and that of some whom they joined with, is a pattern for all poor men to follow, or women either, if ever such a time comes again. And if there was no other end in recording it, I think this a very just one, whether my account be exactly according to fact or no. Two of them are said to be brothers, the one an old soldier, but now a biscuit-maker, the other a lame sailor, but now a sail-maker, the third a joiner. Says John, the biscuit-maker, one day to Thomas, his brother, the sail-maker, Brother Tom, what will become of us? The plague grows hot in the city, and increases this way. What shall we do? Truly, said Thomas, I am at a great loss what to do, for I find, if it comes down into Wapping, I shall be turned out of my lodging. And thus they began to talk of it beforehand. John, turned out of your lodging? Tom, if you are, I don't know who will take you in, for people are so afraid of one another now, there's no getting a lodging anywhere. Thomas, why, the people where I lodge are good, civil people, and have kindness enough for me, too. But they say I go abroad every day to do my work, and it will be dangerous. And they talk of locking themselves up, and letting nobody come near them. John, why, they are in the right, to be sure, if they resolve to venture staying in town. Thomas, nay, I might even resolve to stay within doors too, for except a suit of sails that my master has in hand, and which I am just finishing, I am like to get no more work a great while. There's no trade stirs now. Workmen and servants are turned off everywhere, so that I might be glad to be locked up too. But I do not see they will be willing to consent to that any more than to the other. John, why, what will you do then, brother, and what shall I do? For I am almost as bad as you. The people where I lodge are all gone into the country, but a maid, and she is to go next week, and to shut the house quite up, so that I shall be turned adrift to the wide world before you, and I am resolved to go away too, if I knew but where to go. Thomas, we were both distracted. We did not go away at first. Then we might have travelled anywhere. There's no stirring now. We shall be starved if we pretend to go out of town. They won't let us have victuals, no, not for our money, nor let us come into the towns, much less into their houses. John, and... That which is almost as bad, I have but little money to help myself with neither. Thomas. 
as to that we might make shift i have a little though not much but i tell you there's no stirring on the road i know a couple of poor honest men in our street have attempted to travel and at barnet or whetstone or thereabouts the people offered to fire at them if they pretended to go forward oh so they are come back again quite discouraged john i would have ventured their fire if i had been there if i had been denied food for my money they should have seen me take it before their faces and if i had tendered money for it they could not have taken any course with me by law thomas you talk your old soldier's language as if you were in the low countries now but this is a serious thing the people have a good reason to keep anybody off that they are not satisfied or sound at such a time as this and we must not plunder them john no brother you mistake the case and mistake me too i would plunder nobody but for any town upon the road to deny me leave to pass through the town in the open highway and deny me provisions for my money is to say the town has a right to starve me to death which cannot be true thomas but they do not deny you liberty to go back again from whence you came and therefore they do not starve you john but the next town behind me will by the same rule deny me leave to go back and so they do starve me between them besides there is no law to prohibit my travelling wherever i will on the road thomas but there will be so much difficulty in disputing with them at every town on the road that it is not for poor men to do it or undertake it at such a time as this is especially john why brother our condition at this rate is worse than anybody else's for we can neither go away nor stay here i am of the same mind with the lepers of samaria if we stay here we are sure to die i mean especially as you and i are stated without a dwelling-house of our own and without lodging in anybody else's there is no lying in the street at such a time as this we had as good go into the dead cart at once therefore i say if we stay here we are sure to die and if we go away we can but die i am resolved to be gone thomas you will go away whither you go and what can you do i would as willingly go away as you if i knew whither but we have no acquaintance no friends here we were born and here we must die john look you tom the whole kingdom is my native country as well as this town you may as well say i must not go out of my house if it is on fire as that i must not go out of the town i was born in when it is infected with the plague i was born in england and have a right to live in it if i can thomas but you know every vagrant person by the laws of england be taken up and passed back to their last legal settlement 
John, but how shall they make me vagrant? I desire only to travel on, upon my lawful occasions. Thomas, what lawful occasions can we pretend to travel, or rather wander upon? They will not be put off with words. John, is not flying to save our lives a lawful occasion? And do they not all know that the fact is true? We cannot be said to dissemble. Thomas, but suppose they let us pass, whither shall we go? John, anywhere to save our lives. It is time enough to consider that when we are got out of this town. If I am once out of this dreadful place, I care not where I go. Thomas, we shall be driven to great extremities. I know not what to think of it. John, well, Tom, consider of it a little. This was about the beginning of July, and though the plague was come forward in the west and north parts of the town, yet all Wapping, as I have observed before, and Redriff, and Ratcliffe, and Limehouse, and Poplar, in short, Deptford, and Greenwich, all both sides of the river from the Hermitage, and from over against it, quite down to Blackwall, was entirely free. There had not been one person died of the plague in all Stepney Parish, and not one on the south side of Whitechapel Road, no, not in any parish, and yet the weekly bill was that very week risen up to one thousand six. It was a fortnight after this before the two brothers met again, and then the case was a little altered, and the plague was exceedingly advanced, and the number greatly increased. The bill was up at 2,785, and prodigiously increasing, though still both sides of the river, as below, kept pretty well. But some began to die in Redriff, and about five or six in Ratcliffe Highway, when the sailmaker came to his brother John, express, and in some fright, for he was absolutely warned out of his lodging, and had only a week to provide himself. His brother John was in as bad a case, for he was quite out, and had only begged leave of his master, the biscuit-maker, to lodge in an outhouse belonging to his workhouse, where he only lay upon straw, with some biscuit-sacks, or bread-sacks, as they called them, laid upon it, and some of the same sacks to cover him. Here they resolved, seeing all employment being at an end, and no work or wages to be had, they would make the best of their way to get out of the reach of the dreadful infection, and being as good husbands as they could, would endeavour to live upon what they had as long as it would last, and then work for more, if they could get work anywhere, of any kind, let it be what it would. While they were considering to put this resolution in practice in the best manner they could, the third man, who was acquainted very well with the sailmaker, came to know of the design, and got leave to be one of the number, and thus they prepared to set out. 
it happened that they had not an equal share of money, but, as the sailmaker, who had the best stock, was, besides his being lame, the most unfit to expect to get anything by working in the country, so he was content that what money they had should all go into one public stock, on condition that whatever any one of them could gain more than another, it should, without any grudging, be all added to the public stock. They resolved to load themselves with as little baggage as possible, because they resolved at first to travel on foot, and to go a great way, that they might, if possible, be effectually safe. And a great many consultations they had with themselves, before they could agree about what way they should travel, which they were so far from adjusting, that even to the morning they set out, they were not resolved on it. At last the seaman put in a hint that determined it. First, says he, the weather is very hot, and therefore I am for travelling north, that we may not have the sun upon our faces and beating on our breasts, which will heat and suffocate us, and I have been told, says he, that it is not good to overheat our blood at a time when, for aught we know, the infection may be in the very air. In the next place, says he, I am for going the way that may be contrary to the wind, as it may blow when we set out, that we may not have the wind blow the air of the city on our backs as we go. These two cautions were approved of, if it could be brought so to hit that the wind might not be in the south when they set out to go north. John, the baker, who had been a soldier, then put in his opinion. First, says he, we none of us expect to get any lodging on the road, and it will be a little too hard to lie just in the open air. Though it be warm weather, yet it may be wet and damp, and we have a double reason to take care of our healths at such a time as this. And therefore, says he, you, brother Tom, that are a sailmaker, might easily make us a little tent, and I will undertake to set it up every night, and take it down, and a fig for all the inns in England. If we have a good tent over our heads, we shall do well enough. The joiner opposed this, and told them, let them leave that to him. He would undertake to build them a house every night with his hatchet and mallet, though he had no other tools, which should be fully to their satisfaction, and as good as a tent. The soldier and the joiner disputed that point some time, but at last the soldier carried it for a tent. The only objection against it was that it must be carried with them, and that would increase their baggage too much, the weather being hot. But the sailmaker had a piece of good hap fell in which made that easy, for his master, whom he worked for, having a rope-walk as well as sailmaking trade, had a little poor horse that he made no use of then, and being willing to assist the three honest men, he gave them the horse for the carrying their baggage, 
also for a small matter of three days' work that his man did for him before he went. He let him have an old top-gallant sail that was worn out, but was sufficient and more than enough to make a very good tent. The soldier showed how to shape it, and they soon by his direction made their tent, and fitted it with poles or staves for the purpose, and thus they were furnished for their journey, viz. three men, one tent, one horse, one gun, for the soldier would not go without arms, for now he said he was no more a biscuit-maker, but a trooper. The joiner had a small bag of tools, such as might be useful, if he should get any work abroad, as well as for their subsistence as his own. What money they had, they brought all into one public stock, and thus they began their journey. It seems that in the morning, when they set out, the wind blew, as the sailor said, by his pocket-compass, at northwest by west. So they directed, or rather resolved to direct, their course northwest. But then a difficulty came in their way, that, as they set out from the hither end of Wapping, near the Hermitage, and that the plague was now very violent, especially on the north side of the city, as in Shoreditch and Cripplegate Parish, they did not think it safe for them to go near those parts, so they went away east, through Ratcliffe Highway, as far as Ratcliffe Cross, and leaving Stepney Church still on their left hand, being afraid to come up from Ratcliffe Cross to Mile End, because they must come just by the churchyard, and because the wind, that seemed to blow more from the west, blew directly from the side of the city where the plague was hottest. So, I say, leaving Stepney, they fetched a long compass, and going to Poplar and Bromley, came into the great road just at Bow. Here the watch placed upon Bow Bridge would have questioned them, but they crossed the road into a narrow way that turns out of the hither end of the town of Bow to Old Ford, avoided any inquiry there, and travelled to Old Ford. The constables everywhere were upon their guard not so much, it seems, to stop people passing by as to stop them from taking up their abode in their towns, and withal because of a report that was newly raised at the time, and that, indeed, was not very improbable, viz., that the poor people in London, being distressed and starved for want of work, and by that means for want of bread, were up in arms, and had raised a tumult, and that they would come out to all the towns round to plunder for bread. This, I say, was only a rumour, and it was very well it was no more. But it was not so far off from being a reality, as it has been thought, for in a few weeks more the poor people became so desperate by the calamity they suffered, that they were with great difficulty kept from going out into the fields and towns, and tearing all in pieces wherever they came, and, as I have observed before, nothing hindered them 
but that the plague raged so violently and fell in upon them so furiously that they rather went to the grave by thousands than into the fields in mobs by thousands for in the parts about the parishes of st sepulchre clerkenwell cripplegate bishopsgate and shoreditch which were the places where the mob began to threaten the distemper came on so furiously that there died in those few parishes even then before the plague was come to its height no less than five thousand three hundred and sixty-one people in the first three weeks in august when at the same time the parts about wapping radcliffe and rotherhithe were as before described hardly touched or but very lightly so that in a word though as i have said before the good management of the lord mayor and justices did much to prevent the rage and desperation of the people from breaking out in rabbles and tumults and in short from the poor plundering the rich i say though they did much the dead carts did more for as i have said that in five parishes only there died above five thousand in twenty days so there might be probably three times that number sick all that time for some recovered and great numbers fell sick every day and died afterwards besides i must still be allowed to say that if the bills of mortality said five thousand i always believed it was near twice as many in reality there being no room to believe that the account they gave was right or that indeed they were among such confusions as i saw them in in any condition to keep an exact account but to return to my travellers here they were only examined and as they seemed rather coming from the country than from the city they found the people the easier with them that they talked to them let them come into a public house where the constable and his warders were and gave them drink and some victuals which greatly refreshed and encouraged them and here it came into their heads to say when they should be inquired of afterwards not that they came from london but that they came out of essex to forward this little fraud they obtained so much favour of the constable at old ford as to give them a certificate of their passing from essex through that village and that they had not been in london which though false in the common acceptance of london in the country yet was literally true wapping or radcliffe being no part either of the city or liberty this certificate directed to the constable that was at homerton one of the hamlets of the parish of hackney was so serviceable to them that it procured them not a free passage there only but a full certificate of health from a justice of the peace who upon the constable's application granted it without much difficulty and thus they passed through the long divided town of hackney for it lay then in several separated hamlets and travelled on till they came into the great north road 
on the top of Stamford Hill. By this time they began to be weary, and so in the back road from Hackney, a little before it opened into the said great road, they resolved to set up their tent and encamp for the first night, which they did accordingly, with this addition, that finding a barn, or a building like a barn, and first searching as well as they could, to be sure there was nobody in it, they set up their tent with the head of it against the barn. This they did also because the wind blew that night very high, and they were but young at such a way of lodging, as well as the managing their tent. Here they went to sleep, but the joiner, a grave and sober man, and not pleased with their lying at this loose rate the first night, could not sleep, and resolved, after trying to sleep to no purpose, that he would get out, and, taking the gun in his hand, stand sentinel and guard his companions. So, with the gun in his hand, he walked to and again before the barn, for that stood in the field near the road, but within the hedge. He had not been long upon the scout, but he heard a noise of people coming on, as if it had been a great number, and they came on, as he thought, directly towards the barn. He did not presently awake his companions, but in a few minutes more, their noise growing louder and louder, the biscuit-baker called to him and asked him what was the matter, and quickly started out, too. The other, being the lame sailmaker and most weary, lay still in the tent. As they expected, so the people whom they had heard come on directly to the barn, when one of our travellers challenged, like soldiers upon the guard, with, Who comes there? The people did not answer immediately, but one of them speaking to another that was behind him. Alas, alas, we are all disappointed, says he. Here are some people before us. The barn is taken up. They all stopped upon that, as under some surprise, and it seems that there was about thirteen of them in all, and some women among them. They consulted together what they should do, and by their discourse our travellers soon found they were poor distressed people too, like themselves, seeking shelter and safety. And besides, our travellers had no need to be afraid of their coming up to disturb them, for as soon as they heard the words, Who comes there? These could hear the women say, as if frighted, Do not go near them. How do you know but that they may have the plague? And when one of the men said, Let us but speak to them, the women said, No, don't by any means. We have escaped thus far by the goodness of God. Do not let us run into danger now, we beseech you. Our travellers found by this that they were a good, sober sort of people, and flying for their lives, as they were, and, as they were encouraged by it, so John said to the joiner, his comrade, Let us encourage them, too, as much as we can. So he called to them, Hark ye, good people, says the joiner, 
we find by your talk that you are flying from the same dreadful enemy as we are do not be afraid of us we are only three poor men of us if you are free from the distemper you shall not be hurt by us we are not in the barn but in a little tent here in the outside and we will remove for you we can set up our tent again immediately anywhere else and upon this a parley began between the joiner whose name was richard and one of their men who said his name was ford ford and do you assure us that you are all sound men richard nay we are concerned to tell you of it that you may not be uneasy or think yourselves in danger but you see we do not desire you should put yourself into any danger and therefore i tell you that we have not made use of the barn so we will remove from it that you may be safe and we also ford that is very kind and charitable but if we have reason to be satisfied that you are sound and free from the visitation why should we make you remove now you are settled in your lodging and it may be are laid down to rest we will go into the barn if you please to rest ourselves a while and we need not disturb you richard well but you are more than we are i hope you will assure us that you are all of you sound too for the danger is as great from you to us as from us to you ford blessed be god that some do escape though it is but few what may be our portion still we know not but hitherto we are preserved richard what part of the town do you come from was the plague come to the places where you lived ford i i in a most frightful and terrible manner or else we had not fled away as we do but we believe there will be very few alive behind us richard what part do you come from ford we are most of us of cripplegate parish only two or three of clerkenwell parish but on the hither side richard how then was it that you came away no sooner ford we have been away some time and kept together as well as we could at the hither end of islington where we got leave to lie in an old unabandoned house and had some bedding and conveniences of our own that we brought with us but the plague is come up into islington too and a house next door to our poor dwelling was infected and shut up and we are come away in a fright richard and what way are you going ford as our lot shall cast us we know not whither but god will guide those that look up to him they parleyed no further at that time but came all up to the barn and with some difficulty got into it there was nothing but hay in the barn but it was almost full of that and they accommodated themselves as well as they could and went to rest but our travellers observed that before they went to sleep an ancient man who it seems was 
father of one of the women, went to prayer with all the company, recommending themselves to the blessing and direction of Providence before they went to sleep. End of section 13